Welcome to Possibly Speaking, a podcast that explores the highest spheres of spiritual thought as they find expression in our lived experience. Here's our host and the Mashpia of the Light Revealed, Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld. So, Be'ezus Hashem, after going through Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we prepare ourselves for the holiday of Sukkot. Now, there's somewhat of a transition that's taking place. Going into Rosh Hashanah, like we spoke about, a person is convinced at the end of the year that we're in control or that we have some semblance of control with regards to what happens in our external lives. Comes Rosh Hashanah, comes the celebration of the new year, and we take ownership over the fact that we're powerless and that in truth there's only one with the true power, which is the higher power of our own understanding. And we allow ourselves to suspend our need to know things with absolute certainty. And we throw ourselves into the calmness and the acceptance of faith, which exists beyond knowledge, that we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. Not that we came to know a power greater than ourselves, but rather we came to believe. Had the book written knowledge, then we would have been stuck in a certain problem because knowledge is singular. I know something and the other person knows something. And if we know the same thing in very different ways, then one person is wrong and the other person is right. And that is the birthplace of the violence of disagreement and the discomfort of oppositional opinions. But the language of we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves allows us to rest assuredly with our own understanding, with our own grasp, because one's own understanding, which is the birthplace of their faith, which is beyond knowledge, is rooted not only in the mental processing that I go through, but rather it's rooted in every element of my life back to the stages of being in utero. And if to try and understand how another person understands something, I would need to unravel the very fine fabric which sews the tapestry of existence. So the willingness for each and every person to suspend their absolute need for knowledge, that substantiality that we so desire to stand upon, and to embrace the unknowingness of it all, prepares us to throw ourselves into the womb of faith, which comes along with the new beginnings of Rosh Hashanah. Then comes Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the day of recognizing that in truth, left to our own devices, without the help of a higher power, without the intervention of something beyond ourselves, we stand liable to fall into all sorts of destructive tendencies, that left to my own devices, I can be liable, guilty even, of every one of the sins or transgressions or mistakes that are listed in the seder, in the order of all of the things that we're apologizing for. And at the crux of Yom Kippur, at the apex of Yom Kippur, what we come in contact with is the acknowledgement that in truth, tola eretz al-blima, that God spreads out existence upon nothingness, that what we learned on Rosh Hashanah, which was to suspend our need for absolute knowledge and to give room for the possibility of faith, which rests beyond the absolute need to know, comes Yom Kippur and it reminds us right in front of our faces that in truth, the stability of our lives, the externalized experiences that we trust so securely that allows us to move through each day and each night 
without worry, without consideration as to what might be if things were otherwise, Yom Kippur forces us to come in contact with this. It reminds us that in truth, even with our greatest efforts, we are still liable to fail and we are still liable to fall, if not for a higher power of our greater understanding. Then comes Sukkot. Sukkot is when we finally learn to live with the instability that has been shown to us on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Come Sukkot, we make the decision to stop pretending, to stop pretending to live in the stable homes that we have prepared for ourselves, to stop pretending that the defense mechanisms and the stable ideas that we have about ourselves, about other people and about the world are without any room to push back against. But rather we give in to the frightening but comforting recognition that even the most stable of palaces that I can build for myself are not strong enough to protect me from the simple fact that in the end of the day, I am not in control of anything that takes place outside of me. And instead of fighting this, and instead of trying to take refuge in some artificial substantiality, whether it be through substance usage or process or some unhealthy thinking pattern that we all find ourselves stuck in, we embrace the uncertainty and we take leave of the structured homes and the stability that we have lived with for the previous year. And we embrace the temporariness of all things. One of the conditions, the precondition for a sukkah for this hut of sorts is that it needs to be impermanent. It needs to be unstable. It needs to be flimsy. It needs to bring to mind the transiency of all things. It needs to remind us of the fact that in spite of all of my greatest efforts to try and lay claim to security in my life and the life of my loved ones and the life of those around me, at the end of the day, I am forced to come face to face with the abysmal, frightening recognition that all I can do is have faith in the next moment that things will be good. And the only place that I can lay my faith at that moment is in a power greater than myself. The entire celebration of Sukkot is about this. We lane, we read the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Kohelas. The book of Kohelas tells us that everything is vanity. Hakol Hevel, all is vanity. All of our efforts to lay secure ground underneath our feet to differentiate ourselves from the animalistic desires that abound throughout the world, the differences between life and death, we acknowledge with full frontal awareness, without deviating, without being afraid without flinching, unflinchingly, we look at the very cold and difficult, but comforting and warm realization that in the end of the day, there is nothing but the faith that we place in our higher power. And we lean into it. We sit in the temporariness of the outside. We sit with the transiency of things. We allow the wind to blow across our human efforts to make things sturdy. And what we find is the possibility of joy. Surprisingly, on the one hand, Sukkot is about coming into contact with the transiency of all things, with the fact that things fall apart, the center cannot hold, and very often mere anarchy is unleashed upon the world. But in that very sight of the encounter with the unbridled intensity of the outside, with the recognition that at the core of our stability rests an unstable ground upon which the only thing we can do is face it with faith, at that very sight, the Torah tells us that Sukkot is all about happiness, it's all about joy. And seemingly, at first glance, it would seem that transiency, instability, and awareness of the airiness of all things, of the floating nature of all things, would be 
counterproductive to the possibility of joy. We would imagine that joy is found in the artificial stability that we can find for ourselves, in our forgetting of the transiency of all things. But what the Torah is telling us, what Judaism is telling us, what recovery is telling us, what Panemius is telling us, is that it is specifically when you lean in to the instability of all things. It is specifically when you let go of your defense mechanisms and your absolute need for absolute knowledge and certainty that you can find the possibility of joy. Because the possibility of joy is born when I come to the recognition that because I am not in control of anything outside of me, I need to turn inwards. I need to uncover the singular locus of control, the singular point of my joy, of my mindfulness in this world, which is my own perspective. And on Sukkot, we learned that the word for thought, the word for machshava, is the same letters as besimcha, as joy. Because if a person wants to uncover joy, it is not going to be found in the stability of things. It is not going to be found in the artificial substantiality of our substances or our processes or our desires or our dreams or our assumptions, but rather it is going to be found in our willingness to gaze unflinchingly into the instability of all things and to force ourselves to split the moment open and allow it to melt because right now, right here in front of me is all that exists. There's a story that Sigmund Freud was walking with a German poet. We know that poet to be Rilke, although it's not written. And the two of them were walking in the midst of World War I. And they saw flowers that were beginning to bloom. And Freud said, look at how beautiful these flowers are. Look at how beautiful the potential is amidst all of the death and the destruction that goes on in the world right now. See this rebirth, see this renewal of things. And Rilke, the poet, said to him, but look at the death that is going to take the place of these budding flowers. For we know that these budding flowers are but transient in their stability and that they're going to descend into decay like all other things. And Freud paused and he asked his comrade, he asked Rilke at that point, he says, how could it be that it's only the poet who is unable to to see the joy that exists in spite of the transiency. Because what the psychological voice is understanding is that when I see transiency, when I things that when I see that things are going to fall apart, all that does for me is it forces me to throw myself with more intensity and more fervor into the moment itself. Because if the moment is going to end, then this moment right now is all I have. As the Pasuk and Shirashirim in the Song of Songs tells us, that love is as strong as death. Meaning to say that it is only when I come in contact with the fact that things fall apart, that the thing that I love and I cherish so deeply, that it too can fall away, that all things are cut through with contingency, it's only then that I can throw myself with surrender and abandonment into the love that exists in that moment. The joy of Sukkot is a joy of acceptance. It's a joy of acceptance of the fact that I am not in control of everything. And that in truth, the only thing that I have under my control is how I choose to see things. And in the famous words of the big book on page 417, we can understand the joy of Sukkot and the joy of acceptance as follows. And acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism or whatever problem it is that a person finds themselves struggling with, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, 
times I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. When I learned that it is only through the art of acceptance that I could uncover the possibility of joy, I can lean in to the instability of things. I can find myself in the wind that I can say, God, Hashem, higher power, whatever language I use to speak to the power greater than myself, it is only through you that I find stability. And when one connects to that which is most essential in their lives at that moment, like a drowning man or woman who has no hope other than that life vest that they're holding on to, at that moment we can understand the secret joy of simply abiding in the present moment. Thank you for joining the Possibly Speaking family. Possibly Speaking is brought to you by The Light Revealed, a social media publisher bringing messages of Jewish spirituality and recovery to whoever is looking for them. Our producer is Morty Schwartz. Our social media content team is Zoe Poznanski and Tehila Nassanian. And our music is by Zushia. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We love connecting with you, so please check out our website, thelightrevealed.org, and feel free to email us and Rev. Joey at thelightrevealed at tlrfamily.org or private message us on Instagram or Facebook at The Light Revealed. Thanks for joining, and we wish you the most blessed day in only revealed ways.